Well, a happy weekend, everybody. Rob Witham here. Apologize we weren't able to get this podcast dropped on Friday night. You, you ever had that dreaded update come to your computer and it tell you it tells you, you know, they may have to restart several times? Yeah. Oh, did it ever. And uh, that's why we were forced to wait until um, it finished doing whatever it did whenever it did last night because I had to turn in. Uh, it's been a very eventful past several days. We're going to unpack and kind of digest everything that's going on uh, first. And then I'm going to kind of put my editorial hat on and give you a a sense of what I'm thinking and feeling as we are now just over one month away from the scheduled return of high school sports. December 21st is the projected date, and for that I am speaking to public schools, uh, the Virginia High School League. There has been uh, a handful of events on the private school level. Um, Have not heard officially from the VISAA as of the time we are recording this podcast, which is midday Saturday. Uh, Any reaction to the statement given uh, by Governor Northam on Friday afternoon? And for those of you who were surprised by his announcement, uh, I do not count myself as one. This did not surprise me at all. If you've been paying any attention to what is happening with COVID-19 nationwide over the last several weeks, you, you kind of got a sense that this was coming. And if you go all the way back to the beginning of the pandemic, and we think about a lot of the conversations that took place in March, April, May uh, about, you know, trying to get it under control and flattening the curve. And then we have to watch out because there could be a second wave come fall or winter. And a lot of it in terms of the discussion had to do with, you know, flu season and cold season and just the way the, the, that situation works as we go into wintertime. And right on time, as flu season would begin to kind of rear its ugly head, and it probably has, we just haven't heard anything about it because everything has been dominated in terms of what you hear media-wise by two things, the recent presidential election and, of course, coronavirus. And another thing that's going to really give medical personnel a hard time is you know, is it COVID or is it the flu? Because they have so many similar symptoms. But anyway, not to get too much into the medical field, because that's certainly not my expertise. Here's the governor's announcement from Friday. He said, quote, COVID-19 is surging across the country. And while cases are not rising in Virginia as rapidly as in some other states, I do not intend to wait until they are. We are acting now to prevent this health crisis from getting worse. Everyone is tired of this pandemic and restrictions on our lives. I'm tired, and I know you are tired too. But as we saw earlier this year, these mitigation measures work. I am confident that we can come together as one commonwealth to get this virus under control and save lives, end quote. So, effective at midnight Sunday night or at 12.01 a.m. on Monday, here are the major changes that we're going to focus on here on this edition of In the Red Zone. One, reduction in public and private gatherings. All public and private in-person gatherings must be limited to 25 individuals. That is down from the current cap of 250, and this includes outdoor and indoor settings. 
Um, now, let me take my sports hat off for just a moment and put on my wedding officiant hat uh, to give you some perspective here. For those of you who do not know, uh, I'm bivocational. I've been in uh, radio and broadcasting and journalism for 35 years, uh, but I've also been an ordained minister for the last almost 20 years. And so I perform a lot of wedding ceremonies, on average about 25 to 30 a year. And what is this affects that type of event and so many other types of events outside of the sports world is that, you know, if you had a wedding scheduled for next Saturday, the 21st, and you had 50 guests, you suddenly have to tell 25 of them you can't come or you have to postpone. If and, and I have a wedding next week, but I've spoken to my bride and they have a 25 person guest list and we're going to be OK. I'm very happy about that. But I have two other weddings coming up in November and December. And if their guest lists are not at 25, they have two choices. Either A, they have to pare down the guest list really quickly. And it's not as simple as that, because if you've already signed a contract with, for example, a caterer, who has, you know, who is going to make food for 100 people and, and suddenly you don't need all that food. There's no way in the world you could consume all that food if one quarter of your intended guest list is now the only ones coming. Um, you're, the, obviously, the, 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 the caterer can't come back to you and go, okay, well, we'll, we'll, do, we'll do a 75% discount because the caterers are probably already getting cancellation notices from couples in December, January, maybe even February. Uh, so that, that it, 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 all of us in that particular uh, vertical of business, from you know event planners to uh, people who rent out chairs and tables and decorations for weddings, to the caterers, to DJs, uh, videographers, photographers, you know, we're going to see things drop off and we're going to lose income just like it happened in the spring. So understand uh, that this is a major change for a lot of different industries in the area. And I happen to work in hand in hand with a, a, several of them when it comes to uh, specifically weddings. But they also do so many other things, birthday parties and corporate events and gatherings. You, you think about how much money event companies and uh, hotels with conference rooms, et cetera, et cetera, make money on holiday parties from businesses. None of them are going to happen this year. There will be no holiday Christmas party for for any company. There's just it's impossible. It it's totally impossible. And I think most all of them had decided not to do anything to begin with. But if they did, now they're going to have to cancel. And so there are a ton of businesses who already went through losing so much business in the spring and then have been trying to make it up in the summer and early fall who are now right back where we started from in step one. And it's really frustrating, I understand. Now, back to the sports hat. Let me help you understand here. And the Virginia High School League put out a statement, and I think this is a good time to, um, to read that so that you can understand because I know the first thing you're probably thinking of is, well, they said we could have 250 spectators at a game. Does this mean we can only have 25? And the answer is yes. But here is the quote from uh, Dr. Billy Hahn, executive director of the VHSL, put out late Friday afternoon regarding the governor's announcement. Quote, 
We want to make it very clear that the governor's order for reduction in public and private gatherings to 25 individuals applies to spectators and not participants at events, Dr. Hahn said. Nothing in the order prevents VHSL member schools from holding contests. In other words, there is still a green light to start playing basketball and wrestling and swimming and gymnastics and indoor track as of December 21st. Now, the league office said they'd have a more detailed release on Monday. Uh, That concerns me a little bit because they now have the weekend to really fully digest not only, A, the governor's announcement, but, B, all of the latest figures when it comes to um, positivity rate, uh, acceleration of the number of not only cases, but also tests. And then that's where that positivity rate comes in to a point. And also you have to understand there are so many more people now being tested at this particular point. Remember back March, April, the big problem was there weren't enough tests and people couldn't get tested. Now that's less of a problem. It's not completely solved, but it's solved to a very great extent. Uh, So now the question is, How do you determine which 25 spectators can come? If you've got a basketball game, and let's just say, just even if every participant had one parent, if there's 13 kids on one basketball side and 13 on the visitor's side, well, there's 26 parents right there. And you can only have 25 spectators, so will they not have spectators? Uh, if, If that happens, how do you get the game to the fans? Uh, it, it, it Then it becomes more encumbered on, on us as media to try to be at places, but we don't know exactly what restrictions we might have. Um, and, and, and so it's, 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 there's a lot to digest here. And I, I, I have to tell you, I kind of saw this coming. When the announcement was made Friday afternoon, uh, I was out running errands with my son, and then I got home, and I saw that the announcement had been made, so I, I you know, quickly read what the governor said, kind of digested it, understood its impact, and then I had to get down to Chester for a wedding rehearsal, and uh, a dear friend of mine who is the planner for this particular wedding, uh, she and I met up right as I got to the venue, and we were talking about this situation. And she has a big wedding next weekend, and, and suddenly now the, the, that couple can't have, I don't know how many guests they were going to have, but it's got to be either be pared down to 25 or they're going to have to postpone it. it. It's just, it's sad. It is so sad. And, and when I say I saw this coming, uh, if you've not been following the news this week, it began with the cancellations of games in the SEC that were supposed to be played on this day were taping on Saturday, November 14th. Alabama LSU, no. Uh, that was a, that one of at least two games in the SEC that got axed. And then yesterday, Friday, you had a pair of games in the Pac-12 axed. The Arizona State-Cal game, uh, our thoughts and best to head coach Herm Edwards out there who was tested positive for COVID-19 as well as several players. Um, and the Utah-UCLA game. Utah dealing with COVID-19. So Cal and UCLA have decided they're going to play on Sunday at the Rose Bowl. And if you're listening to this Sunday or Monday, uh, that game may already have been played. Um, If you'll note, there have been more issues with COVID-19 in the last few weeks. It's been ramping up slowly but surely in the National Football League. 
more and more of the news of the week prior to a week of games on Sunday and Monday and, of course, Thursday night um, has been about how many people are on the COVID list, how many teams are affected, how they close things. Uh, They have to go to Zoom for a few days, then they open things up. The story of Matthew Stafford, I don't know if you heard this last week or not, the Detroit Lions quarterback who – did not test positive for COVID-19, but he was in close contact with someone who did, so he was in isolation all week. He did not practice. He did not even see his team. And when they traveled to Minneapolis to play Minnesota last Sunday, he was placed in a separate room away from his team at the hotel. They did a final test on Sunday morning. He was negative, and he was cleared to play. So the first time he saw his teammates that week was when he stepped into the visitor's locker room at the, um, the stadium there in Minneapolis. I mean, that's, that's crazy. Now, obviously, he's a veteran, and he gets first-team reps every week, and, and so, you know, you could liken it to dealing with a little sore ankle that keeps him out of practice, but in that circumstance, at least he's at practice. At least he's interacting with the team. At least he's watching his team practice. He got none of that, none of it, and then stepped on the field. So that example to me says it's getting more and more difficult for National Football League teams to deal with COVID-19. I want to go back, and I don't want anybody to construe this as me patting myself on the back, because it's not. Um, But I can remember on several editions of In the Red Zone on uh, the former 1029 The Mater. And by the way, this podcast is going weekly, and I know that we were hoping to have a first edition on a few weeks back. There have been a lot of things going on behind the scenes. You're probably thinking, what's Rob been doing the last eight, nine months? You know, he hasn't covered a game since March, and you're right about that. But uh, that has given me time to do a lot of other things. And there's so many things going on behind the scenes right now. You'll realize you didn't hear opening music to our podcast today. Uh, This is a very stripped-down version of In the Red Zone. We're in the process of building out a radio studio here at my home so that we can relaunch the Mater online 24-7, and it will become part of uh, HCS Media LLC, our company, which operates the RVA Sports Network. And so we're very excited for what we're working on getting started and what we're planning on doing, Um, but at the same time, it has caused us to spend a lot of time in areas that we normally didn't have to spend a lot of time on. So that's a long way to say we're sorry it took so long to get this going. But I, well, you know, I was planning to get this podcast done sometime in the next few days, and then the governor's announcement on Friday, and I'm like, we got to do this immediately. And then the computer screwed up Friday night, but here we are Saturday. But I want to go back to late spring, early summer. I can remember for several different weeks. Uh, we talked about that I, f- I felt like if we were going to get football in in 2020, that what would happen, and fall sports for that matter at the high school level, field hockey, volleyball, etc. I said what I felt like probably should happen if they're going to do it is first they're going to have to shorten the schedule. It's going to have to be a truncated schedule. They can't play 10 games and have five playoff rounds. This just can't be. So you got to shorten the season. If you started it either on time or a week early in August, get the kids back in in early August, give them a couple of weeks, three weeks to practice, and then get going. Eliminate the bye week, shorten the playoffs, and get everything done by Thanksgiving. Now, normally, in a, in a perfect world, normally, um, golf ended weeks ago. 
track and excuse me, cross country would be wrapping up now. In fact, I think this was the weekend for state championships. Uh, field hockey would have been this weekend, and volleyball would have been next weekend. Football, depending upon how they would have truncated the schedule, I think I, I talked about, you know, get it done by Thanksgiving. And in my mind, I'm thinking if you have to use Thanksgiving weekend for the state championships, do it. Uh, but even if they did it the weekend before, which would have been next weekend, that would have been great. Now, here's what would have happened. We would have gotten these games in, hopefully. We would have had COVID-19 issues, obviously. And then if they were able to do it, they'd be wrapping it up right here in this ramp up point. And I probably would say that, the, you know, the VHSL would probably go to one of two ways. They'd go, for example, volleyball. Okay, state championships will be held. They're going to be held um, at, at, a, at a neutral site as close to possible between the two teams. There will be no spectators allowed. And, of course, they could broadcast it through N, uh, NFHS. Uh, so you couldn't go watch the state championship, but you at least could yeah, you go you know, live, but you could see it you know, on your computer or whatnot. Uh, or, God forbid, we would have been in the exact same situation we were back in March when we got a, a few basketball championship games in and the rest of them were canceled and the teams were named co-champions. That could have happened as well. Now, and I'm not saying... I told you so here whatsoever. I'm just kind of giving you an idea of, of where we are. Had they tried that, we don't know what the issues would have been there in, say, September, October. If there had been too many COVID-19 tests that came back positive, they may have said, okay, we got to shut this down. But I will say this. There have been more state associations than not that went ahead with fall sports, and they're still going. I have not heard of any massive high school shutdowns in the country in terms of sporting activities. It seems like they're all gathering to towards the end of their fall seasons. In fact, I was listening to a high school championship game last night out of Cincinnati on AM radio. For those of you who don't know what AM radio is, tweet me at the RVA Sportsnet, and I'll, I'll teach you a little bit about it. Um, 1530. Uh, w, oh, what was their call letters? Man, I used to remember them. Anyway, 15.30 a.m. in Cincinnati, and they were having a, they were uh, broadcasting a high school football game last night, so you know I listened into that. Um, so could we have made it to this point and got the fall sports in? I don't know. No way of knowing. But I did find it interesting listening to my friends at ESPN Richmond yesterday, um, Heather Denich, the college football reporter for ESPN, was talking and she made a very similar statement. She said, you know, we, we kind of wish that maybe we should have just gotten started early in August and tried to get this thing done by now. Uh, but that did not happen. So now we are dealing with what's happening. Here's what I think at the college level is going to happen. Uh, the director of the college football playoff was quoted on ESPN last night as saying that, that they are going to do their dead-level best to get the semifinals played New Year's and get the championship done January 11th. But they are discussing alternatives. And by alternatives, they mean uh, uh, having to delay the playoff. And that is, it's very possible that could happen. Um, I don't see with the way uh, cases are spiking nationwide and everybody is seeing it happening. This is not a case where, 
you know, eight states are having break, you know, outbreaks or 28 states are having it. It's everywhere. I have a hard time believing the Pac-12 or the Big Ten are going to complete their seasons. That throws a big monkey wrench into the CFP because can you really take a three-win Ohio State team into a national playoff against teams that hopefully will have by then played eight, nine, ten games? How do you how do you answer that? What do you what kind of eye test do you have to have? Whew. So I, I because they started late, especially the Pac-12. I just don't see how they get full seasons in, and I know that that some of them are only going to play six games, but. If we're having such problems now uh, and we're now having to take measures closer and closer to lockdowns and, you know, let's, let's be honest with ourselves, there have been reports that the president-elect is mulling over a possible national lockdown once he takes office. Uh, one of his advisors on his COVID-19 team has been quoted as saying a four to six week national lockdown. Uh, could help us, you know, mitigate things, get things back under control, and then we could reopen the economy and and hopefully be in better shape and not face a situation like this again. Uh, some of you listening may agree with that. Others may not. This is not politics. We talk sports. But if that happened, that certainly would drastically affect what we do, and that's high school and college sports here in the Richmond area. So... Here's where we stand in terms of high school. We are supposed to be able to start practicing early December. And that would be the winter sports. Again, basketball, indoor track, gymnastics, swimming, wrestling. Let's break those down real quick. Um, How do you have a swim meet with 25 spectators? Well, I don't think you do. The problem being a swim meet, if you've got a tri-meet of three teams, you're probably looking at, I don't know, 125 to 150 swimmers. And, for example, if you're in the Brock Center at Randolph-Macon College and a lot of high school swim meets occur there, if you've never been there before, it's quite small. So, you know, what do you do? Do you have the, the, the swimmers that are not competing go out in the lobby and wait and have just the swimmers competing and the judges and the timers inside and then switch out and in? Do you feel like you can get a swim meet in with no spectators and just the swimmers and judges and coaches? Uh, you know, at Swim RVA, you've, you've got enough room. Um, at, at Randolph-Macon, for example, you don't at the Ashland YMCA, you, you don't have the room like that. So this is a problem. I thought wrestling was going to be the sport that had the biggest problems uh, because especially when we get to, you know, you, you, it's how can you have those big invitationals in the middle of the season when you have 12 or 15 teams come in? Uh, the place is packed with spectators because, you know, all it takes is, you know, you get 40 fans for 15 teams. That's 600 people. You can only have 250. Well, now you can only have 25. So which 25 parents get to show up? And, do you send wrestlers out of the gym into a, a, a commons area and only have inside the gym those who are wrestling and those getting ready to wrestle and kind of rotate them in and out of the room? I, you know, I don't know. That These are the questions that, I, that I've been mulling about and going, how are they, these two particular sports, I thought, how are they going to make this happen? And now with the changes effective on Monday, I really have no idea how they're going to make those happen. I can see basketball happening. 
in the sense that it's, you know, about 13 kids on both teams, three or four coaches, three officials, a couple of people at the scorer's table running the board and doing the scoring. There's three. Um, hopefully they'll let press in, so there would be, I don't know, two to four people there. And if they allow 25 fans, they do. If they don't, they don't. And there it is. There's your, there's your situation. There's your game. Yeah, obviously, there will have to be temperature checks going in for everybody. And if you got a fever, you're not in, even if you're a player. Um, and even then, I, I think somehow we can get basketball going. Now, all of this has kind of overshadowed the other big news of the week, which was honestly what I was going to lead this podcast with. Uh, but then the announcement from the governor happened, and here we are 25 minutes into this edition, and I'm getting to what I thought was going to be the big news. So here we go. And that is when Richmond City Public Schools announced earlier this week that they have canceled winter sports. Now, that was a huge bit of news because that not only affects Richmond City schools, including the defending Class 2 state champions in John Marshall boys basketball, but it affects all of the schools that had John Marshall and TJ and Huguenot and George Wythe and Armstrong on their schedule. Suddenly, those games are gone. Well, do you try to pick up games with somebody else to get to 14 games? Uh, can you even try to do it because of travel restrictions and whatnot? And now, uh, with this change, if we don't get the virus under control under this change, guess what? We will be going into lockdown at the holiday season, which is just, I, I shudder to think about that. So right now, everything's on hold. No other jurisdiction in the area has said, no, we're not going to play winter sports. Norfolk City Schools had announced a couple of days later uh, a decision on, on that. Arlington was the first in Virginia to do it, and then they backed off and they said, well, we're not going to do wrestling, but we're going to try to do basketball and the other sports. So with this decision, here's what you need to be watching out for. Number one, and I've talked about this since the summer, positivity rate. As the positivity rate climbs, our chances of playing lessens. Okay. That What is positivity rate, Rob? It is the number of cases versus the number of tests. And if you're doing 100,000 cases, uh, tests a day, and you get 200 positive tests, then that's 2%. Is that right? No, that's not right. Let's, let's, is that right? Yeah, I think so. 100,000, no, it had to be 2,000 would be 2%. So let's say you do 10,000 tests a day and 200 come back positive, that's 2%. If you do 10,000 tests two days later and 500 come back positive, then the positivity rate is 5%. Now we are in that five, 6% range and we've been going up steadily for the last few weeks. If it continues in that area and we start seeing seven and eight, I don't think we're gonna be playing December 21st. Um, it's going to be very difficult to play if one out of every 10 people are testing positive. It just proves how we're not mitigating the virus. We're not, we haven't flattened it. In other words, there's no change. 
and we haven't made progress, which means the positivity rate goes down. So keep an eye on the positivity rate, and I've been telling you that since the summer, number one. Number two, and if you go to the Virginia Department of Health's website, you can see all this information. Take a look and see. Check it once a day, their COVID-19 dashboard. Check and see if there is an increase in the number of tests per day as well as the positivity rate. Because if they're testing more and the positivity rate is still going up, that gives us an indication that it's a little more widespread than we thought. If they're testing the same amount of people every day and it's going up, then that says, okay, it's rising, but maybe it's not rising as bad as we think. If and, and, and I would have a hard time believing that the number of tests would lower, but if it for some reason did and the positivity rate didn't lessen in, in correlation to it, then that would concern me greatly. So positivity rate, number one. Number two, school. And I'm talking about the school day, okay? Richmond's going to be virtual all year. And so for them to decide not to do winter sports, not surprised at all. Chesterfield has phased kids back in. Hanover has been hybrid since day one. Henrico is planning to begin sending kids back the day after Thanksgiving break, November 30th. Chesterfield announced yesterday that they could start going back to all virtual learning very soon if the numbers continue to climb. So the second thing I want you to keep an eye on, along with positivity rate on a daily basis, is What's happening with the schools that currently do have in-person learning? I know there was an issue at Colonial Heights High School, and they had to shut it down temporarily and have the kids on virtual. I'm not sure if it's reopened yet or not. If you know, let me know on Twitter at the RVA Sportsnet. Um, but if Chesterfield sends out a release this week or, or before Thanksgiving and says we have to go all virtual due to you know what's happening and the governor's edict, et cetera, if Henrico turns around and says we're not going to start sending kids back on November the 30th, then those are going to be those are not going to be good signs, because if they don't feel safe getting the kids to school to learn, I don't think they're going to let kids go in to play. Okay, um, so again, all of this with the fact that the Virginia High School League plans to have more information out about this on Monday. All of you who are related to high school sports, you're a player, you're a coach, you're a parent, uh, you're a trainer, you're an athletic director, whatever, a referee, whatever area you serve, keep a sharp eye on the news these next few weeks. Don't turn off the news. And by that, I mean the local news, Okay. The national news is not going to talk about things that directly affect us, but local news will. So our friends at NBC12, of course, we've had a long, fruitful partnership with them. Missed them so much during the fall. On Friday nights, I'd be watching the late news and going, we should be getting ready for On the Sidelines Extra. And, and it's it's been hard, I'm going to tell you, folks. I, I know it's been even much harder on the players who are missing out here on very precious time at high school that you cannot get back. Uh, I, I know it, and I, I my heart goes out to each and every one of you. Trust me. I, I've been heartened to watch all the National Signing Day signings this week, but it's also been a bit heartbreaking to watch so many kids that I've watched in their younger years 
And now it's like they, they come on the TV and I'm like, they're already signing? They're a senior? What? And I feel like I've missed out on so many great student-athletes. Uh, you know, you know, I, I cover softball quite a bit, and I love softball. love all the sports, but softball has gotten a, a special place in my heart. I think it's a very special game. Um, and, and, you know, Taylor Norton at Cosby is signed with Villanova. Last time I watched her pitch, she was a sophomore in the state semifinals, and, of course, she was in that incredible state championship game that went, what, 17 innings before Cosby fell one nothing. And I thought, man, I can't wait to watch Taylor pitch the next two years. Well, we lost last year, and now even this year is up in the air, and I'm praying that we get spring sports because that would be devastating if her last game and Emerson Aiken's last game and so many others' last game were sophomores. Oh. Uh, but, you know, this is an unprecedented era for us, you know, in terms of our generations when it comes to having to deal with a pandemic. So, but Emerson signing with Michigan, so happy for her. And so many others, if I start trying to name them, I'll miss more than I than I announce. Uh, Elvin Edmonds, shout out to you at Hopewell. You're getting an incredible coach. He has signed with Bucknell. He's going to play for former Randolph-Macon head basketball coach Nathan Davis, who for my money is one of the best college basketball coaches around and and unless he decides that Bucknell is home for him uh, I I just have a hard time believing Nathan Davis is not going to coach a power five school at some point in his career he is absolutely fantastic Uh, so but to all of you who signed this week our heartiest congratulations and please know that we were with you in spirit and would have loved to have been with you uh, in person uh, as media, we are in the process of still trying to figure out what we can and cannot do and that sort of thing. And we hope to be, if we are playing December 21st at as many events as possible, and if we have situations to where there are events that are closed off, we're going to do our dead level best uh, to try to broadcast as many events as we can. Uh, really, if nothing else, as a public service to our community. And, you know, we haven't even talked about how this may affect football and and the fall sports that are supposed to begin in late February and start practicing in early February. And what I say to all of you is hang in there. Nothing's changed. Okay? Nothing's changed. We cannot, on November 14th, extrapolate what may be going on February 14th. So we're keeping hope. Okay? Same for spring sports. We're keeping hope. That's a long ways off, and we're hoping to be in much better shape come April. Right now, our concern is for winter sports, and we are hoping uh, that that somehow, some way, this tide can be lessened and then flattened and then turned over the next few weeks, and we'll still be tipping off and doing all the other sports come the 21st of December. Now, if we have any major breaking news in this area over the next week or two, uh, if need be, we will stop what we are doing and immediately do a, uh, a, a mini podcast, if it has to be, to give you all the information that you need to know. And again, you notice this is stripped down. We had no opening music. There'll be no closing music. You know, we're still building out things and trying to get things ready to rock and roll so that when we are ready, uh, it'll be better than ever. And we're really looking forward to that. For those of you, and let me say this, for those of you who have stuck with us since March, I know our Twitter feeds have been much different since the the uh, sports came to a screeching halt simply because, you know, most of what we do are sports in terms of scores and standings and playoff implications and 
you know, all that other stuff, and we've had none of that to discuss. And yet we, we from a percentage standpoint, have lost very few people uh, on our Twitter network. Uh, the, the RVA Sportsnet, our main Twitter feed, and then our hyper-local coverage, Hanover Sports, Henrico Sports, and Chesterfield Sports, which is found at the letter C, Field Sports. That's C-F-I-E-L-D, Sports. That's all part of the RBA Sports Network. Thank you for hanging in there with us. We promise on Twitter here in the next month we're going to be giving you a boatload of information as we get deeper into this time and we see how things are going and the minute we know of anything, you will know it across our Twitter network. We'll continue with the In the Red Zone podcast on a weekly basis, and if we need to, we'll have special editions of it to keep you posted on what's going on as well. Hey, congratulations. We've got Mustangs and Mavericks in the area. Thursday, Douglas Freeman announced that their new mascot will be the Mavericks, and I love their new design. So congrats to them. They retired the Rebels' name back over the summer. And so the Freeman Mavericks, when we get back to action. And, of course, the name change over in Mechanicsville. Uh, Lee Davis is now Mechanicsville High School. And yesterday, Friday, they announced that they would be the Mustangs. And ironically enough, we put up a poll back in October on Hanover Sports on Twitter, and we gave four different choices. Mustangs were one of them, and it won the poll with 55%. So uh, Twitter fans at Hanover Sports, you're very prescient. I'm very, um, very impressed by you. You got it right. So we look forward to rooting on the Mechanicsville Mustangs when they get back into action, hopefully next month as well. All right, fans, thanks for being with us. Thanks so much for your patience. We have a lot still to come and, and a new day coming where there's going to be an opportunity for you to be with the RBA Sports Network 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and we can't wait for that to happen. It's going to take a little while, but we will get there. And uh, I, I'm keeping all of you, especially the players, in my thoughts and prayers right now. I'm hoping we get to tip off and get going December the 21st. That is what the news we hope to share here as the podcast rolls on. Thanks again, everybody, for being with us. Rob Witham of the RVA Sports Network. Thanks for your support of In the Red Zone during our two-year run on 1029 The Mater. We were sorry that had to come to an end with the sale of the radio station to another firm, another company uh, that took the station in a different direction. We are thrilled and excited about our new partnership for High School Football Game of the Week and Randolph-Macon College Football on Rejoice 101.3. They're also at 9.90 a.m. They're also live on Facebook, and they're also at RejoiceRichmond.com. Oh, man, Jim Jacobs and the crew over there, they have been so helpful and so supportive, and they are psyched to have football on Rejoice, and we are very excited to be there with them. So more details on that as hopefully we get closer to football in late February. Fans, have a great rest of your weekend. Enjoy the football that is on, and we will be back with you again next week with another edition of In the Red Zone. And again, breaking news at any time about what's going on in high school sports. We'll have it for you online, on Twitter, on Facebook, and many podcasts if we need to, to break it down and give you all the information you need to know. Thanks so much, everybody. Rob Witham saying thanks for being in the Red Zone.